Hello, and thank you for joining us here with the Big Sandy Heritage Center's Half Hour of History podcast. My name is Jason Belcher. I'm the director of the museum. And what we want to do here is begin a regular broadcast where we'll talk about a topic that's related to the history of the Big Sandy region. And we'll try to do that in less than half an hour. And sometimes we may be a little bit uh, less than that, but that will be our, our upper limit. So we'll try not to go uh, beyond the 30-minute uh, time mark. The topic we wanted to start with for our first one is to commemorate the opening of the cut-through here in Pikeville, which happened on October 2nd, 1987. So that has now been 35 years ago. And it's a day that I remember very well. I was there for the opening. Um, that year I was a, a junior high student and I was in the marching band and I remember that we had uh, they allowed them the bands to march through the new uh, road section that the cut through had uh, that they created uh, right after they, they cut the ribbon or right before rather before they actually opened it up to traffic we all marched through um, Governor Collins with Governor Martha Lane Collins was there there was a lot of dignitaries that were there um, I think uh, I don't remember exactly how many people but I've seen estimates as high as uh, uh, 2000. I, I think that seems a little bit high, but there was a lot of people there, and I remember it was very cold that day when we uh, when we marched through the new cut through. Um, it was very beautiful to look at and to walk through that new section of road, but it was cold that day. Um, we were told we could wear uh, wear jeans and white uh, t-shirts, uh, so we'd all have the same uh, look for our marching band, but no no jackets or sweaters. So I remember we we uh, we shivered pretty good. And when we first got to come around that curve, I remember looking down that stretch of road and you know being only 13 years old at that time, I I looked out and I thought, man, it, that's a long way for us to walk. Um, it's funny how your perspective changes on that. You know, years later, um, I, I'm a half marathon runner. And I've I've run lots of races in, in many different places, and so that. That three quarters of a mile—that's uh, hardly a warm-up now. But back then, it looked pretty daunting, especially when it was cold. And I remember carrying uh, an instrument that was equally cold, and my fingers were getting numb. But we were all excited to be there. It was—it was a good day for Pieville, and it was a, a good occasion to mark uh, an accomplishment that changed not only the course of the river here, but also the course of the history for the city of Pieville itself. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. In future events, or rather in future broadcasts, uh, when we do this podcast, at least once a month we're going to talk about, we'll choose a, um, a book to review or a book to talk about. And the topic of that book will, will be related to either the history of the Big Sandy region or, or a related topic. And so we're going to kind of get a two-for-one today, and I wanted to briefly mention uh, a really excellent book that uh, is specifically about the cut-through project. And that was the, uh, the title of the book is called The Mayor That Moved a Mountain, and that was written by Alice Kinder. And we have a copy of that here at the Big Sandy Heritage Center. I believe the local libraries also have a hardback copy. I don't think it exists in a digital copy, but we're going to try to change that in the near future because it's a really good read. It's, it's a short read. I mean, it's only, oh, let's see here. What is it? Uh, 120, barely 100 pages, 105 pages. So it, it's not a long book. Um, it's one that you could pretty easily read in, in a couple of days, or if you're a, an avid reader, you could probably go through it uh, in an afternoon without much difficulty. But the story it tells um, about how the cut-through project came to be is one that I think is, is worth remembering. Um, and I just briefly wanted to share uh, the prologue from that book, and it's only a couple pages, so it, it just take me a few minutes to, uh, to share this. But I think it's worth um, I think it's worth sharing. So this is the prologue from 
The Mayor Who Moved a Mountain by Alice Kinder. And it begins, quote, those who achieve ask, what is my purpose for life? Why am I living in this particular place and age? Do I believe in something and myself? How can I achieve the goals of which I dream? On October 2nd, 1987, Mayor William C. Hamley of Pikeville, Kentucky, saw his boyhood dream and his labor of over 33 years fulfilled with the dedication of the Pikeville Cutthroat. His dream became a living reality because he realized his purpose for life, knew that Pikeville and the 20th century were the place and time for him, and believed in his hometown, himself, and the people of Eastern Kentucky. Pikeville is what gives meaning to Hamley's life, that which matters most to him. Some have said he is ruthless and plows uncaring furrows among people's lives and property, unmindful of the feelings and opinions of others. Yet both friends and those who fail to see parallel lines with his total thought and plans agree that his determination and grit, his profound intelligence and visionary dream have brought about a gigantic reality for the good of Pike Countyans and the eastern hills of Appalachia. No one else could have accomplished this task. The May 7, 1984 flood left perhaps $5 million damage to Pike County roads and bridges, but Pikeville businesses were saved because of Mayor Hamley's dream for rerouting the river around the town. For the first time in a major flood, Pikeville streets remained free of floodwaters. By this time, people began to realize that Hambly's cut-through wasn't a crazy project as some had thought. Just maybe he would go ahead and finish the plans and get all the disorder cleaned up for moving a mountain and rerouting the river and railroad. The hills and river, towns, streets, and other roads have been in nothing but a mess since 1973 when Hamley first broke ground for the cut-through, one spokesman declared in 1984. Three more years of change and rerouting and road building and the blatant noise from the machinery continued. At last then, on October 2, 1987, the historical date for the formal dedication of the Pikeville cut-through arrived. Approximately 2,000 people attended the event. Governor Martha Lane Collins made the crowd sense the historical significance of the day when she proclaimed, quote, the cut-through project of a 77.6 million man-made canyon is a monument to Mayor William C. Hamley and probably the most remarkable engineering project ever undertaken in Kentucky. On a rainy day in November 1973, the mayor had splashed energetically through mud puddles as he smiled his contagious, believing smile while officially breaking ground for the Pikeville Cut-Through project. In a newsletter that year, an Army Corps of Engineer General said he would not declare the Pikeville mayor's project as one of the engineer wonders of the world. The Panama Canal was larger and a world wonder, said the general, yet it is surely the wonder of the world that the mayor and citizens of Pikeville could ever get so many state and federal agencies to participate in one pot the way they have. Today, after spending millions of dollars from state and federal funds, Pikeville is known as the mountain town, with a population of 5,600 that has moved a mountain, a river, a railroad, and four highways. 
After the moving of Peach Orchard Mountain, the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad made its initial run through the cut in 1978. In 1980, the Leviza Fork of the Big Sandy River was diverted through the channel. On October 2, 1987, highway traffic for the first time began to use the 1,300-foot-wide, 523-foot-deep, and one-half-mile-long corridor through the cut-through of Peach Orchard Mountain. Mayor William C. Hambly has become known as the mayor who moved a mountain to change the river's course. As a boy growing up by the river that flowed near his home on Bank Street in Pikeville, he played and swam in the winding stream with his three sisters and brother and playmates. How many hours did he spend watching the river's current and playing in it as a boy? When did he first visualize his dream to change the river's curving flow in its horseshoe bend around Pikeville? Under God's guidance in the biblical history of Moses, the great lawgiver and leader of the Israelite people lifted his rod and hand toward heaven and the Lord God divided the sea and moved back the waters. Mayor William Carter Hambly is not divine nor any Moses. He is a Pikeville boy who under divine guidance developed his mind and dreams, realized his purpose and reason for living in his particular time and place, and has worked unceasingly to make all become a reality for the good of his fellow citizens. This is the story of a boy who played by the riverbank and became the mayor who moved its long, curving course to flow directly through a mountain cut he planned. Alice J. Kinder, February 10, 1988. Now, of course, folks who, who live here and have lived here long enough will recognize from the, um, the numbers that were cited, of course, the, uh, the population of Pike was a little bit bigger now than the 5,600 that it was um, when the book uh, was written and published back in 1988, I think today we're, we're much closer to uh, 7,000 uh, within the city limits. And then, of course, um, that doesn't really tell the whole story of, of Pikeville because a lot of people uh, from Pike County and Floyd County and surrounding counties come to the city of Pikeville either to do business or to shop. Um, so if you look at it from a, a regional perspective, which is sort of what Pikeville has become, it's sort of become a regional economic hub for Eastern Kentucky, um, and it's one that's used by well over 100,000 people um, in the surrounding counties because we're their nearest, or, or in many cases, their, their closest area they can come for a major uh, shopping center. I almost think of it as Lexington East, but that's probably going too far um, in terms of uh, size and what's available in Pikeville. But the, the point is that the cut-through project not only moved um, Peach Orchard Mountain and, and the Leviza Fork of the Big Sandy River and it not only changed the flow of that river but it changed uh, the history of the city of Pikeville itself and that investment that was made um, over the 33 year uh, period where the project of the cut through was you know planned and then implemented and then finally funded by many different um, organizations the um, we will be the city and its and its inhabitants and, and their descendants will be receiving dividends on those investments uh, for a very long time. So I would argue that the, uh, the project itself has already more than been paid for. It's already more than paid for itself just by, um, by way of the, the amount of flooding that's been saved and the ease of transportation through uh, the city of Pikeville for folks who use it um, either to come to shop or, or for folks from who are from out of town and out of state who drive by on 23. I think a couple years ago um, the hospital did a study and they found that the average traffic count, the daily traffic count 
through that area, through the cut-through, is around 40,000 cars a day. That, that's pretty amazing if you think about you know, a city that only has six, 7,000 people in it, but you're seeing that much traffic flow by on a daily basis, um, 40,000 cars on average. Um, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot of traffic. So that shows you just how heavy uh, the use has been and um, what it's meant for all of that new, all of those folks who drive by, so how many of them stop and, and buy gas or go to a restaurant or, or stop and see the site. So you can, you can just see the tremendous amount um, of economic activity that that flows into the city much more easily now because they have access through the cut through. And even more impressive, if you think about it in terms of engineering, is the, uh, the difference it's made in flooding. You know, Pyville, I remember growing up when I was little, Pyville flooded all the time. And after the cut through had been finished, it, it didn't anymore. And it's, it's, a huge, it's a huge difference in the, uh, the way the land and the way the water flows now. Of course, Mayor Hamley himself, as Alice Kendry writes in her book, and this is later on uh, in Chapter 5, she wrote, um, quote, On January 29, 1957, Pikeville lay devastated in 52.73 feet of muddy water, the worst flood in the town's history. The Hambly home on the riverbank of Bank Street was flooded, as were others everywhere. Alberta Hambly and the children moved her handmade Christmas decorations and other precious items from the basement as they watched the swirling brown water rise to the kitchen floor. Dr. Hamley waded in and out of the house as he checked on other people with his stock. That night, tired and hungry and muddy, he told his family, so many more people have suffered and lost much more than we have. I'm going to get this river out of town so that people and businesses won't have to start all over from scratch every decade or so. There's some um, kind of amazing facts about the flood of 57. Uh, a few years afterwards, the U.S. Geological Survey did a study where they cataloged and assessed the, the damage and the amount of water that it had taken to, to do that to the region. And one of the things they found, and I think this is pretty incredible, um, and you can find it online, uh, but the, uh, the U.S. Geological Survey found that at its peak in the 1957 flood, the headwaters of the Big Sandy had generated 81,000 cubic feet of water per second that was flowing through areas that were impacted. So if you think about that, I mean, one cubic foot of water weighs around 63, 64 pounds. And so you just do the math. Um, that volume of water, that much weight just flowing through is an unstoppable force. And that's why there was so much damage and to structures, not only to roads and bridges, but also to buildings and homes. There, there's not much anything, not, there's not much of anything on earth that can stand up to that volume of flow, uh, that much force that the, the river generated when it had swollen to that size after the 57 flood. And, you know, of course, recently, unfortunately, as we saw in, in July of 2022, some areas uh, of eastern Kentucky were hit by flooding again, um, and those uh, flow rates and the volume of water there even exceeded the 57 flood. I know that was the case in Whitesburg, where the Kentucky River actually exceeded the flow from what was recorded during the 1957 flood, which is incredible. Um, I'm a member of Team Rubicon, which is a disaster relief organization, a veteran-led. Uh, what we do is we go out and, and try to help folks uh, clean up and do repairs after they've been hit by uh, areas uh, or hit by natural disasters like floods. And, and I volunteered sometime in Whitesburg 
uh, a couple weeks after the um, the waters have subsided and the uh, first responders and authorities had allowed us to go in and do and begin doing cleanup work and I, I was just astonished at, at what you could see there, there were some homes that you could if you walked inside you could see uh, you could put your hand on it there's a, a mark on the wall that just went around the whole room and the whole house uh, some of them it, it was four or five feet and that was the watermark from where the floodwaters had stood in that home for for several days and so to, to repair that you essentially got to tear out the sheetrock and the wall and the subfloor and everything below that mark had to be essentially replaced and, and new sheetrock had to be put in um, and so that's that's just uh, one glimpse of the uh, the tremendous damage and loss of life uh, that the floods of 2022 inflicted and of course our hearts go out to those who were impacted by those floods, who lost loved ones or who lost their homes. Um, and we can see just how much damage that it did. And that's another reason for us here in Pikeville to be thankful for the cut through project because it has, uh, in diverting the flow of the Big Sandy away from, or the Levice Fork away from the city of Pikeville itself, it has saved us countless um, other flooding events uh, over the past 35 years. And we can only imagine how many times Pikeville might have flooded in those 35-year periods. There, there are several instances where there was enough rainfall that had the river been on its old course, um, the businesses and the business section of Pikeville would almost certainly have been either underwater or flooded as they were prior to the completion of the cut-through project. And so it's something to be thankful for that we have, that we enjoy. You know, I, when we drive through it every day, sometimes we, we forget and we don't really think a lot about it um, because we get used to it and we get used to it always being there. And of course, there are generations, I'm sure, who have grown up only knowing the cut through. They've, they've never, they don't remember the time before it was there. They've, only, they've always seen that. So to them, that's the way it's always been. But many of us who were there before realized that that's not true, that the time before was very different. And so that's, uh, that's something that we can be thankful for. And, we, and thankful that Pike had a visionary leader like Mayor Hamley, who was, in fact, just like the Army Corps of Engineer General said, um, you know, it, it's pretty amazing if you could get over a dozen different federal, state, and local um, organizations all on the same sheet of music. That is, that is no small accomplishment. Um, it's, it's kind of like herding cats uh, when you try to get all these different government agencies to, uh, to work together. But that's, you know, that's a lesson that cut through kind of tells us that at least there have been times in the past where government projects did work. I know uh, in the times we live in now, there's a lot of folks that have doubts or suspicion uh, about the government and how it works. And many of those concerns are, are well-founded and have merit. But the cut through is a living, is a visible and very, you know, large reminder of the fact that at least in the past, not too long ago, at least 35 years ago, um, government work was still capable of producing positive change and of completing projects that would improve the lives of citizens and people for the better and that is certainly the case with the cut through project we have an exhibit here at the museum that's dedicated to the Pikeville cut through which includes some aerial photographs and some models that were made to demonstrate how the, um, how the engineering was done. We also have the shovel that was used to break ground. And so if you're interested in learning more about the cut through project, we would encourage you to come by and visit us here at the Big Sandy Heritage Center Museum. We are located at 172 Division Street. We're up on the fourth floor of the uh, Justice Building. Our hours are, we are open to the public Mondays, Thursdays, 
Fridays and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And if you would like an appointment, you can certainly call us and make that appointment on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. We'd be happy to have you come in uh, during that time. And you can see the exhibits not only on the cut-through, but also the other exhibits that we have here, which include Civil War exhibits, memorabilia and artifacts from the Hatfield and McCoy era, and we also have a number of different sections, um, different rooms that are all themed towards different exhibits. We have country music exhibits, we have a coal mining exhibit, uh, military, politics, and sports. Those are some of the themes that you can see. Um, we are open, um, as the Times already mentioned, and we welcome folks to come by and see those exhibits if you'd like to learn more. We'd be glad to have you. And we hope uh, that uh, you'll listen to future podcasts that we do. I haven't decided yet, or rather we haven't decided yet, um, exactly what the topics will be on all of those. But they'll all be on a, on a um, something that's related to the history of the region or something that is uh, related to that topic. And the book reviews will also be done uh, usually on a monthly basis. We're also going to start a monthly book club where we're going to have a monthly book discussion here at the museum and at other places. When we get the details on that, I will make those public, which should be fairly soon. So we would invite folks to to join us in just a good discussion about uh, books that pertain to the, um, the Pike County or the Eastern Kentucky region and its history. We here at Big Sandy Heritage Center believe that history is important and that knowing our, our past and then preserving our heritage is an essential for building a good future and that it's part of our, our civic obligation that we educate ourselves and, and the next generation about about our past and about the things that happened and the key events and the key people that made those things happen. Um, in a sense, history is the telling of yesterday's stories to tomorrow's generation. And that is, uh, that is something that we believe in here at the Big Sandy Heritage Center and Museum. So I thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope to see you uh, either in person visiting or maybe at one of our book discussions in the future. And hope you have a great day. Thanks. Take care.